Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. I think there's kind of an interesting thing happening in this room even today, and that is that we all came and we see this theme of joy, and, and, and there's a reprieve. It's like, it's like something's got a damper on it, and I've been feeling that way this morning, to be honest with you. I felt like that this week as I was getting ready. I was kind of wrestling around with them. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second, and, and, and just like five minutes before I got up here, something changed for me, and, and you know what changed for me? This little guy is playing back there in the corner of the gym. And he's running back and forth. And I'm watching him interact with his parents. And, and his name is Theo, and lots of us know who Theo is. And Theo came to be with his forever family this year. Right? Like, I'm not sure that there's anything that could be more joyful than to see a family together playing with each other. And it was a gift to me. I was watching Ryan and Tara playing with him, and he's running around giving fist pumps and all those kind of things. And, and I was fortunate enough to get a fist pump this morning from Theo. And, and I have to just tell you that I think this is one of those moments when God gave a little gift to me just before I have to get up to share. And that is that our, these children in our midst, these short little people, they know nothing of what's happening. And they get to experience God's overwhelming presence in their life and in their day. And it's simple and it is beautiful, isn't it? So I'm not suggesting you give Theo a fist pump this morning, but I suggest you notice some of the little people in our midst that God has given us to remind us of the good joy that's present here. Right? We're on our second, or second uh, Sunday of Advent, and Advent is the season of waiting. It, it, it's, it's, it's a time when we celebrate. It's a time when we anticipate. Hopefully, it's a time when we uh, experience the coming of Christ in our life and kind of in our story, right? It should also be a time when we ask significant questions, like, Right? And so I'm, I, I, in a way, that's kind of what I want to do. I just want to throw out some questions for us to think about that hopefully give you a sense of like, what are the questions that you are asking right now? Right? It has been a season <laughs> of, of question asking, hasn't it been? Right? And, and oh man, I got to be honest with you, like, some of the questions I've been asking have been really, really hard, and I haven't gotten answers to them. And, and, and so for me personally, I, I, I'm learning, I'm learning that, that peace doesn't always come in getting the answers, but I got to be honest with you, that takes some time, doesn't it? Right? Well, Advent is kind of that season, right? It's a time when we reflect the, on, on this idea, this 
waiting idea that there is a coming Christ. It's when we look at the stories, right, of these humans who are experiencing this anticipation of a coming Christ, except they don't know what he looks like. They don't know what he's going to be like. Right? They don't know the, the, the condition or the context in which he's going to come. They just know that he's coming. And it creates this kind of weird thing in them. Right? What does it look like for you to anticipate and to include this coming Christ in your daily life? In your daily story, right? They end up calling him Emmanuel, right? Which means God with us. It means God with us. It's, it's one of the most profound things around the Christmas story for me. That we are meant to be reminded that, that, that his name was Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? Why 2020 has taught me a, a great deal about waiting, right? I think in many ways, we, I, have been forced to, to wait, haven't we? We waited in line, right? Anybody? Right? I have waited on others. I've waited on friends to come and visit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on my in-laws. We were talking, Chris and I were talking. We haven't seen our in-laws, her, her family, who is really important to us in like 18 months. Right, and we're, we're waiting for the day when that, that might happen. I'm waiting on a vaccine, right? Oh man, I have been waiting for the leg on my Zoom calls to go away. <laughs> Has anyone anticipated or like felt the rage within when somebody's saying something and the screen freezes? Right, I know our at-home people have been experiencing that occasionally as we've tried to do our live feeds, right? Like all of these kinds of things and they all add on to what's happening, what's going on in our life, what's happening in our story, right? And it all contributes to this idea that here we are, we're about to experience, right? The themes of Advent, right? Love, hope, joy, peace, like these themes and yet it feels like there's some kind of reprieve, like there's some kind of thing that's weighing on top of it. Right? It's like a heavy tension that's there. And, and, and I, I was grateful that Colin, like Colin showed up here this morning. He's like, man, I didn't pitch it, pick any Christmas songs. Man, it was hard, and I didn't know how to do this. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not the only one. Right? And so one of the themes and one of the parts of our Lake Ridge DNA, am I still on the camera? One of our parts in our Lake Ridge DNA, right, is that we want to be truthful about what's happening inside of us, what we're wrestling with, what we're struggling with. And that means that even though it's Advent and the theme is joy, when we show up and we're having a hard time accessing, you know, the joy part, that we'd be truthful about that. I think that that's the place where Emmanuel, where God with us, kind of joins with us in that, right? And so it's been a challenge as I've kind of tried to figure out how do we talk about joy this week. Okay, so, so my mom and dad, a few years ago, they, they are going to love this story. They got a dog. And they named the dog Joy. 
And I, I, my mom is a very joyful person, so I, I think it was, it was around that, right? Like, she, she want, my mom is a joyful person, right? And except what, the thing about this dog is the dog is, like, really irritating. Okay, so you show up, the dog is barking all the time, the dog jumping on you, he's jumping all over, he's getting into stuff. Like, it's actually kind of an irritating dog. Okay, and, and, and when I'm with them, in particular my dad, who's told me his whole life he is not a dog person, he, he treats the dog like he doesn't like the dog. Except here's the thing. He loves the dog. <laughs> And you can, you can see him, right, that, that I, I get the sense that even though he pretends not to like this dog, right, that the dog has brought great joy to, to their relationship, to their, to their quiet house that they have there. I, I actually do know that when nobody is around, the dog sits next to my dad on the couch, right? He doesn't want to admit it, right? And so, so in a way, talking about actual joy here this morning, it's kind of like we're, we're maybe in the context of like really hard things that are going on, and joy is like the irritating dog that's jumping up, trying to be happy around us, right? And, and we just want to, we just rather not talk about it, right? Does anybody feel like that? Right? So, so but yet here's the dog. So in a way, I guess this is, I, I guess I'm here to be the annoying dog that's going to talk about joy in the middle of a pandemic, okay? So I'm going to do that. And, and here's what's crazy about it. Even for me, it's weird because my personality type is actually to be quite joyful. There's like, like studies that have talked about my personality type being a joyful personality type. And so, so even the tension for me around trying to figure out how to talk about this topic has created this weird deal. Like, why don't I want to talk about joy this morning, right? But it's a real thing that's coming and happening in us right now. And I think it is so important. I think that it is so important that we think about these themes even when we are struggling to experience them, to sense them, to, to even feel them, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm going to try to do my best to redefine a little bit of joy for us this morning. Because actually joy means something pretty significant. Here's what, joy I believe is the deep, it's the deep joy of knowing we have a God who loves us so much. Joy is a deep knowing. It comes from a deep place. It's not circumstantial, actually. What I mean by that is joy actually is not produced in a moment or in a circumstance that's maybe going well for you right now. That's actually happiness you're experiencing. Joy is a deep-rooted thing that's happening in you and in us. It's, it, it's not based on circumstance. Here's what's interesting about it. Joy is one of the advents, the themes of Advent, the themes of waiting. You hear the word thing? Joy is a theme of waiting. It's as important as hope. It's as important as, as peace. It's as important as love. It is 
a byproduct of waiting. Now, it may not happen in that exact moment. And, and here's how we know that, that there is a tension around this story that takes place even all the way back in the narrative that we read. I'm going to read a little bit of it for you just, just so that you, 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 you get this tension. There was a strange tension back then. It sounds like this. It's in Luke uh, chapter 2. It goes like this. In, in, in those days, Caesar, Caesar Augustus made a law. And it required uh, that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. It was the first time a list was made of the, made of the people while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone went to their hometown to be listed. And so Mary and Joseph also went. Joseph went, went uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. And that is where Bethlehem the town of David was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed because Mary was engaged to him. I'm going to just rephrase this a little bit for you. Listen to this. See if this sounds at all familiar. The government imposed restrictions on the people. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> the government imposed restrictions on the people. It required them to return home. It required them to return home, right? So that they could be counted. So that they could pay tax <laughs> to the government. <laughs> You hear that? Okay. No one was exempt. Everyone had to go, even the pregnant ladies who were forced to ride donkeys for days to get there. Right? Even the pregnant ladies that were forced to have their babies in barns because there wasn't room for them when they got home. Okay, like, do, do you hear this? I'm pretty sure that Mary and Joseph in this story were not experiencing the everyday circumstances of joy. Think about that. We read this story like it's a beautiful story. Like it's so happy and so exciting. Right? Like God is doing something so profound here. I don't think they were experiencing quite like that. I think there was a ton of anxiety going on for Mary and Joseph. I think there was a ton of frustration going on for Mary and Joseph. Well, they followed the rules of the government and what was being imposed upon them. Anyone feel like that? Even the people at home are going, amen to that. Right? Just trying to understand the restrictions that the government is putting on us right now is enough to drive me into like a cardiac arrest. <laughs> trying to figure these things out so I can do it right. Like, right, this story is a story that brings joy, but I don't know that it is exactly in every moment a story that was joyful in the way that we would like it to be. Right? 
it was a challenge. I've said this before, and we're going to just unpack it for a few minutes. There is a profound difference between happiness and joy. These are not actually the same emotions, even. They're not the same thing, right? Like I said earlier, and I'm going to just say it again, I'm going to say it a few more times because I really want you to hear, joy is the result of deep connection. Joy is the result of a deep connection with God and with others. It's where joy, its roots are there. Its roots are there. Right? Happiness is an emotion, right? Happiness is an, an, an emotion brought on by contentment, by satisfaction. Happiness is an emotion that, to be honest with you, is more surface level. Okay, so, so when we think happiness, we can think a surface level thing that's taking place. It's not bad. It's not bad. But it's not the same. It's not the same. Joy is stronger. Joy is less common, actually. It's less common. In the scriptures, joy is considered one of the fruits of the Spirit. Happiness is not. Right? I think that's part of the tension for us, is that, that I actually do have great joy. But I don't always know how to, like, communicate the great joy without somehow making it weird for people around me who are struggling right now in this moment. I think that's what, what the tension is here even this morning. I know some of you in this room are struggling. I know some of you who are watching at home are struggling. And so it's, it's really difficult to be the annoying puppy that's like, ah, right? <laughs> and I got my own things. Like pastors aren't exempt from this got our own things that we're struggling with, right? And so I, so I really had to think through joy, that joy is a deeper thing. It's something that's rooted much deeper in who I am. It's developed over time, right? It's the result of connection and knowing that I belong. It is manifested in the deep knowing that we are loved and in the practice of loving others. In the practice of loving others, right? Found this description this week. This week of joy, it says witnessing or achieving selflessness to a point of personal sacrifice frequently triggers the emotion of joy. Let me say it one more time: witnessing or achieving selflessness to the point of personal sacrifice frequently twi triggers, twiggers, triggers the emotion of joy, right? So whereas happiness is this outward expression when we experience something good, joy is an inward peace or contentment that, that we are connected to God and we are connected to other people, to the world around us, right? That is in part why we celebrate something like communion on a day like that. What a weird thing to do. Right, if you think about it, celebrate communion on a day when the theme is joy. Right? Literally celebrating the sacrifice that Christ made so that you and I could belong. That we could experience 
the deep connection with Emmanuel, with, with, with this God with us, right? Right? Witnessing the story of people who have given of their life so that we might fit or have a place to belong should evoke some joy, right? And that's one of those things, right? It's kind of weird. I think this is how Mary and Joseph were likely experiencing it in the midst of their turmoil and their tension, like all this stuff that was going on, right? Literally, they end up being the first evangelists ever. They bring good news to the world. And the good news is that God is with us. That God is profoundly with us, joining with us in that, right? Okay, so what does this mean to us? What could this look like? How could we even acquire joy? How can we do that? What are some practices we could do? Well, the first thing is, and I believe this to be true, is that the scriptures actually tell us um, that, that when we ask, we will receive. That when we earnestly go to God and we ask and request God to give us his good gifts, his fruits of the Spirit, that actually he wants to give them to us. So I actually think part of accessing God's joy is asking for it. Are you doing that? It dawned on me this week when I was prepping that I got, I'm not doing that. I haven't been asking God to give me great joy. I've been asking for hope. I've been asking for peace. I've been even asking for the power to, to continue to love. But I haven't been asking for joy. And I think it's time to start. I, I think we've got to ask, ask that. And then the second thing is if we're going to ask for it, then what are we actually going to physically do to try to access that? Right? What can we, what can we do? to access this, this great joy, right? Well, the first thing is um, to care for others, actually. And I, I'm going to share with you something in a second, but, but, but what is so strange about joy is it is the byproduct of loving others, of caring for others. It's a weird thing, but it is the byproduct of loving others, and it is uniquely connected to the practice of gratitude. Uniquely connected to the practice of gratitude. Okay? Now, I'm going to do something I haven't done uh, in a long time, but somebody else actually says this better than me. Okay? And I know some of you will love it because you're huge fans of this particular author. But, but actually, uh, and are you ready back there? This lady, Brene Brown, anybody heard of her? She says this better than I could say this. And so I, I decided I'm just going to play a very quick video of something that studies have shown how these things are connected. Uh, and then I'm going to come back and share something else. But, but listen to this connection that studies have shown and that she's made a good connection to. Go ahead. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it, um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 
11,000 pieces of data. I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Alan. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they're going to like, oh God, mom. And if there was a little like, this is, you know, are you experimenting on us? There was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework and Steve and I are just like, we say, we say a quick prayer and we start eating and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? Yeah. And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not, it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And, um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest, and I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. Okay. This is the quote she just gave at the end. It's not joy that makes us grateful, but being grateful that makes us joyful. And these two things are different, right? Here's what I've been thinking. I think that I believe that statement, right? It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's being grateful that makes us joyful. I think I believe that statement. I also believe that it is some of the hardest work we will ever have to do. I actually don't think that this practice 
is an easy practice. And so what I want to challenge you to think about this Christmas is I actually want to challenge you to think about doing the hard work. And I know this year has felt hard. But I want to challenge you to do the hard work of beginning to practice gratitude. In your homes, just like Brene suggested, in your homes, at, at you know, 9, 12, and 3, or whenever it is that you think you can do that, right? But to pick up some of these good practices so that we may be able to come to a deeper sense of knowing that God is profoundly interested in being in our story, right? What might that look like for us? So I invite you to do the hard work, and I invite you to do it not just for yourself, uh, but I invite you to do it for your home. I invite you to do it for the people on your streets. I invite you to do it for the people in our city, in our province, in our country, and in our world. I invite you to do it because we need it. We need it. And I think it's not going to be just given to us this time. I think we're going to have to work for it. We've talked about this at Lake Ridge, right? Why don't you just come to church and get what you need from God and then go home? Right? This place isn't a cosmic, you know, vending machine. following Jesus and being people of the story of God, experiencing Emmanuel God with us is actually something we tend to. My challenge is to do the hard work because I believe there is great joy in it. And God will show himself to us in doing that. We need this deep knowing of who God is and that God is present with us. And we need the deep knowing that we are a part of a great host of witnesses in our world. Right? That sing. <laughs> that celebrate. That do what we need to do to care for our community. That actually when we do that, we not only spread joy, but we experience joy. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? If you're here, would you stand? I'm going to do the benediction. I know you've been sitting a long time. So. so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. For he is Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you as you go from this place. Amen.